Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to jump into our Bible study this morning. Let me encourage you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. We are going to be partaking of communion this morning. We do that the first uh, Sunday of the month. Can you believe it? We're in December already. And so we're going to be partaking of communion together and remembering and recognizing and celebrating the sacrifice of Jesus. And we're also going to be wrapping up our Daniel series and study uh, over the past three months. We've been traveling through this book, looking at first the stories of faith through Daniel, seeing his loyalty and his integrity, his character, his courage, his commitment, his faith in God as he experienced um, a lot of hardships and trials, which are great encouragement to us to see that God uses those uh, things in our lives to bring about hope and character and perseverance. But uh, we have also been studying and looking at biblical prophecy as it relates to near and far events. Those near events are described in the book of Daniel as um, events uh, around Daniel's time and a little bit after Daniel's time, dealing with the rise and fall of different empires, the Babylonians, the uh, the Medes, the Persians, uh, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, but uh, also there's a far fulfillment of prophecy as we've been studying, dealing with the end times. These events have yet to um, be fulfilled. They haven't been uh, completed yet. And so we're living in, in the meantime. We're living in, in the between time of the prophecies of Daniel in the Old Testament and the fulfillments of those as Jesus described in the Gospels as well as in the book of Revelation with the rise of the Antichrist. The word Antichrist is used as a title to describe an individual who comes to power as the last world dictator who will blaspheme God and fight against God and uh, set up an uh, idolatrous worship of himself. And so we're going to look at some of those themes. In fact, last week we stopped in uh, chapter 11, verse 35, because there was a, an even break um, between the events of uh, what has already been fulfilled to what will be fulfilled in the Great Tribulation. And so we're going to be looking at the last part of uh, chapter 11 as well as uh, chapter 12. But, um, you know, last week we, we looked at these conflicts, and there's a lot of detail involved in uh, Daniel's prophecy where we see that God's people are often caught in the crossfire of these world powers and, and, um, and uh, battles and, and conflicts. We saw a chronology that was described to Daniel, and uh, we also saw the conflicts between the northern kings of Syria and the southern kings of Egypt. And in between is the Holy Land. The Daniel calls it the glorious land, where is Palestine and uh, the people of Israel and the, the, the promised land. And so uh, in this region, uh, the, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, was under 
um, a lot of persecution because of it. And then we, we looked at the cruelty of an individual by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes, who uh, in history is a very important figure when it comes to the nation of Israel because he was the one who was prophesied in Daniel who would come and desecrate the temple and kill many Jews. Some uh, historians believe that upwards to 80,000 Jews were killed uh, during his, uh, his empire and, and leadership and siege of Jerusalem. Another 40,000 Jews were sold into slavery, uh, and another 40,000 Jews were um, taken uh, as prisoners. And so this was um, a, a, a horrific you know, ordeal for the nation of Israel at the time. However, uh, the Maccabean Revolt, which uh, came about at the end of Antiochus Epiphanes' power, they uh, seized control of Jerusalem, and they restored the temple worship, and uh, and uh, even today, the Jews celebrate um, at Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights, the time of the temple being restored and, and worship being reinstituted and the sacrifices being reinstituted. So that's Hanukkah even right now uh, during December. And so, um, but what we find in these two individuals, Antiochus Epiphanes, as we already studied, and the Antichrist is, you know, if you go to... Um, you know, the movies, what do you, what do you like to watch before you go to the movie? It's the trailer, right? You see the trailer, and that gets your attention. It, uh, it interests you of who's in the movie, uh, some of the plot, but then there's a little twist. They want to keep, you know, get you to come back and watch the movie. And uh, when we look at these verses and prophecy, Antiochus Epiphanes is the trailer to the real, really the main feature. And the main feature is the Great Tribulation and the Antichrist. And so the, the title of the message today is Future Fulfillments. And the theme or the point that we want to remember, the, the main point of these verses, is that prophetic fulfillment features future troubles and final triumphs. So what we see in the Great Tribulation period with the rise of the Antichrist and many of the things that maybe you're familiar with if you've read the book of Revelation. We have the Antichrist. We have a world, uh, a world religion. We have persecution and trial and hardship. We have the battle of Armageddon. We have the, the resurrection of the dead. We have the return of Jesus. Like all of these events that we're familiar with in the end times is what we read about in the verses of Daniel chapter 11 and chapter 12. And so for us to understand uh, how these events unfold, as well as if you've ever read a, 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 a movie review and you know at the top it says spoiler alert, well, that's what's happening today during the sermon. There's a spoiler alert. We're going to be told about the end of the story. And that should, I hope, gives us comfort and, uh, and hope as well. So there's future troubles, but also the final triumphs, the, the return of Jesus, the, the rewarding of the saints, um, and the establishment of God's glorious eternal kingdom. So we're going to jump into our, our study here in... Um, Daniel chapter 11, verse 36 is where we left off last week. Then the king shall do according to his own will. And this is the willful king described as the Antichrist. There's a transition from 35 to 36, projecting us into the future of this willful king. Biblical prophecy identifies this individual as the Antichrist. The word Antichrist means opposite or against. And... Uh, this Antichrist will rise to power. We're going to see some of those features and details of his leadership. Uh, but we also know, according to the book of Revelation, that the Antichrist is empowered by Satan himself. So there is not only a, 
a geopolitical, physical thing happening on planet Earth during the rise of the Antichrist and the Great Tribulation period. But we also know that there is a spiritual battle and a spiritual warfare between good and evil, between Satan and God. And these are coming to a head during this time prophesied by Daniel in these verses. And this king shall exalt and magnify himself above every god, small g, and shall speak blasphemies against the big G God, the creator God, the God of heaven and earth, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished, for what has been determined shall be. So this is kind of a summary statement. Uh, however, we're told a little bit about this individual is that he exalts himself and magnifies himself. There's this pride and there's this arrogance. And that is something that even Satan has done from the beginning. In fact, Satan was perhaps and arguably the most beautiful, powerful angel in heaven leading worship. But he lifted up his heart in pride and he said, why, not, why shouldn't I receive glory and praise and honor? And because of that, Satan was cast out of uh, heaven down to planet earth with a third of the angels and they have been hell-bent you could say literally hell-bent on destroying the the beauty of God in the people of God who have been created in his image so Satan has come to steal kill and destroy he's the father of lies he's the accuser of the brethren and so he is going to empower this individual to do the very same things that he has done from the beginning and that is to magnify and exalt himself verse 37 he shall regard neither the God of his fathers nor the desire of women. He's going to turn upside down normal traditions of religion and relationships in regard to any God. For he shall exalt himself above them all. But in their place he shall honor a God of fortress. So the idea here is of power and of authority. And the God which his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver and precious stones and pleasant things. So there's going to be some type of um, so, so Im images or um, uh, you know, sacrifices or giving of precious items um, in idolatry to this God or this power um, or this religion that is instituted by the Antichrist. In these precious things, verse 39, Thus he shall act against the strong fortresses with a foreign god, which he shall acknowledge and advance its glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. So this is kind of a summary in, in the opening verses here of this willful king uh, uh, already identified as the Antichrist. And in these verses we see that... Um, a couple of things. One is the Antichrist's power and his rise to power, but we're also going to see his destruction. Not only the destruction that the Antichrist brings during the Great Tribulation period and the end times, but also his ultimate destruction at the hand of the return of Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But first we see his wickedness, and the wickedness of this willful king is described as this final world dictator who blasphemes God but also sets up some type of idolatry and worship, maybe it's of himself or of some other foreign god, of fortress and of power. So we see his wickedness, but we also see in the following verses, notice here, his wrath. And that is in verse 40. And at the time of the end, the king of the south... Now, if you've been keeping track with us, we know that the king of the south deals with Egypt. And potentially now, later on... Uh, in prophecy, it could deal with a confederation of people coming from the uh, African countries and nations or even the southern region of the Mediterranean uh, Sea. So um, Egypt is included in that, of the south, to attack him. 
And the king of the north, we know that the king of the north is dealing with Syria. However, as I mentioned, uh, looking at the end times, it could be a confederation of the northern uh, region of, of Syria. And that could be even including the entire Arab countries. And so these northern regions come against in a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen and with many ships. This is a, a picture of, of, of battle that is described in the book of Revelation of uh, Battle of Armageddon, where there is a confederation of different nations and countries coming together and converging. And we do know, according to this scripture as well as Revelation, that this battle is going to take place in and near the promised land. And so these regions and these nations are coming to battle. And what does the Antichrist do against him? <clears throat> and he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through them. So there is some type of power that the Antichrist has <clears throat> that uh, these nations are unable to, uh, to have victory over. Verse 41. And he shall also enter the glorious land, which is a reference to the, uh, the nation of Israel and to the Holy Land, Palestine, um, in this region, in the Middle East. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent people of Ammon. And he shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. And he shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and the Ethiopians uh, shall follow at his heels." But news from the east and of the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. And he shall plant the tents of his palace, that is the Antichrist, between the seas, that is the, uh, the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and potentially the Sea of Galilee, and the glorious holy mountain, which uh, could be a reference to uh, even Jerusalem, and yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help them. So what is, what is happening in these verses? Let me just give you a, a little bit of context. We've already uh, discussed how these verses talk about the Antichrist, the rise of this world leader and his power, the willful king at the end times, coming as a, a dictator with blasphemy and, and idolatry, and wrath is just, he's full of wrath, conquering and destroying many different nations. However, it's going to cause this great war of Armageddon to come and converge in this region of the glorious land and the promised land of Palestine area, and uh, there is this, this warfare that takes place, and the world armies converge. However, what we're told, and I know that we're covering quite a bit of, of time and big events, but we're told at the end, in summary, that no one or nothing, whether all the powers and all the control in human ingenuity, can ever conquer or come against or defeat the power of God. And we're told in, later on in the book of Revelation, as Jesus comes, and uh, with the armies of heaven and completely destroys the Antichrist and his power. Yet he shall come to his end and no one will help him. So here is the summary of the rise and of the fall of the Antichrist. However, in the following verses, we're given a little bit more detail about what is going to happen specifically with the nation of Israel and people in general in this time and region. And we see that in verse uh, 1 of chapter 12. So continuing on in the story there. And at that time, Michael shall stand up. Any Michaels we have in the room today? You guys want to stand up? No, it's not you. 
It's not you as Michael. Michael the archangel. This powerful angel that we're told in Daniel and elsewhere in the Old Testament who is the defender of Israel, who um, protects Israel and takes up their cause, this powerful angel. And he shall stand, the great prince, who stands watch over the sons of your people. So we're told that one of, um, one of the responsibilities of Michael, the angel, is to watch over the nation of Israel. And there shall be a time of trouble. Everyone say trouble. Now sometimes we think, oh, this is going to be trouble. That's going to be kind of a difficult thing. But this word speaks of intense persecution. In fact, um, he goes on to say in this uh, prophecy, this time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. Now that's pretty remarkable because if you track history, you know that the nation of Israel experienced some very intense trouble with the Holocaust, with uh, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, with the Assyrians and the Babylonians back uh, early on coming and destroying them and taking them captive and just uh, all of the suffering and hardship and trial. Then you fast forward uh, to today and the sufferings and the wars that are taking place in the region. It's a constant uh, ebb and flow of battle and hardship. However, God is never going to break his promise with the nation of Israel. This covenant is still being established and being upheld uh, by God between his uh, precious people, Israel. And yet, even all of what we've seen in history pales in comparison to what is going to happen during the Great Tribulation period. In fact, at the end of this chapter, Daniel is given the duration or the time. Because if you remember, the 70 weeks vision that Daniel had was breaking this story and chronology up into three main sections. And there was one being the 70th week, and a week in biblical prophecy is dealing with a period of seven years. So there is this 70-week prophecy that is being fulfilled in the Great Tribulation. And uh, this time is what is being described here as what has never happened. Now, you remember what Jesus, Jesus was asked about what's going to happen in the end times by his disciples in Matthew chapter 24. And he said that there would be, prior to the return of Jesus and the great tribulation, uh, there would be a time of intense trouble, that there would be wars and rumors of wars, that there would be uh, uh, pestilences and earthquakes and famines in various places. But these were like birth pangs. If you're, you're pregnant, you, you know that there's these, uh, the growings and, and, and the birth pangs. You know that the, if you're starting to experience those contractions, then the baby is coming soon. And when we see these events uh, in our world, then they're an indication to us that the return of Jesus and, the, and the, st- the, the prophetic stopwatch, so to speak, that we've been studying in Daniel begins to start again. And the countdown of the seven years of Daniel's 70th week prophecy begins. And then what we read in these prophecies uh, starts to unfold. And so we can see, if you take into account the things that has been described to us in the end times, that we are living in the end times, that we should be ready. In fact, the disciples asked him, okay, well, when is this going to happen? We want to know. And Jesus said, no one knows the time or the hour of Jesus' return. And, uh, and only God knows that. And so we should take heed. Take heed to the things that he has told us will happen in the end times so that we would be ready. As, uh, as sailors look out upon the seas, they can see the different seasons and the times and, 
the saying of, uh, you know, uh, red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. It's kind of the idea of discerning and understanding the times in which we live. And when you see certain things, uh, you know, in, uh, in the weather, then you can predict to some certainty about whether it's going to rain or whether it's going to be fair or, or foul weather. And the same is true in the spiritual sense, keeping our eyes open and our Bibles open, and our hearts open. Now, what I find interesting about these verses, and sometimes it can be a lot to take in and to understand how all of these events tie together, but what I appreciate about these verses is that we are told that there is going to be a falling away prior to the return or the, the, the the coming of the lawless one, which is a reference to the Antichrist. And a falling away is a picture of people who once walked with God, now just reject God. And yet, at the same time, there will be people who will shine for Jesus, who will be courageous for Jesus. And those verses are included here in, in the following story. Even though, look at, even though there is a time of intense trouble, at that time... Uh, in uh, verse, uh, I guess verse 1 is continuing on, such as never was ever a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. God has always delivered his people from uh, not only judgment, but um, also destruction. When they call out, when God's people call out to him, he delivers them and uh, he also delivers them from, from judgment. And everyone who is found written in the book. Who's that? All those people he's referring to with the nation of Israel. Now, now, God's not saying that there is just some universal salvation given to the people of Israel. What he is saying is that something that we've talked about in the previous verses about different books. There is a, a book that is written of the Lamb's book of life. And this book is written not in you know, ink or pencil. It's written in the, the red, scarlet red of Jesus' blood. That those names that have been written in the Lamb's book of life are those whose sins have been forgiven. Those whose lives have been born again through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so the, the nation of Israel will see the, the truth of the Messiah of Jesus Christ. And there is salvation that comes to everyone. In fact, the Bible says that um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And this everlasting life is given to those who have been born again and received the, 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 the salvation of Jesus Christ on the cross. Notice, everyone who's found written in the book, I hope your name's written in the book, the Lamb's book of life. There's only one way to do that. And, uh, you know, our souls are too valuable to hope in the end that when we stand before a holy and just God, that he would say, well, okay, I'll make an exception. There's a little bit more good in your life than bad. And, and our souls and what is at stake is so important. And to put that hope in anything other than what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross, it's a false hope. We cannot hope that God's going to say, Safe, okay, all right. I'll just look the other way. The only way we barely slide in safe is because of what Jesus has done for us and having our names written in the book of life because the verses go on to talk about 
a separation. Notice, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. He's talking about death and waking up to, to newness of life. So the idea of sleep is death, and the idea of wake is the resurrection. And the Bible teaches us that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the trumpet, the last trumpet will sound, and uh, we will be raptured for those who remain and alive for the coming of Jesus. But we're also told that from the Apostle Paul that, uh, that our bodies are corruptible, and the, uh, the corruptible physical body must put on incorruptible. And that is a picture of the resurrection, the, 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 the new life that we have in, in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And so there is a resurrection of the body in the end times, and yet there's a separation. Notice, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is a serious, heavy verse, friends. Please don't miss the significance of this verse. That in the resurrection, as John 3.16 says, those who believe in Jesus will have everlasting life, but there is also a reality that our souls live forever, forever, whether that is in eternal presence with the Lord Jesus Christ or whether that is an eternal presence of separation as Jesus talked. Jesus talked a lot about money and a lot about hell and a lot about sin. So the next sermon series, we're just going to cover all three of those topics. No, just kidding. But on a serious note, friends, what lies and stands in the balance is your soul before God for eternity. And Jesus says of the resurrection that, and of, of hell that that is a place of eternal torment where the fire is not quenched. And there was a story, an analogy, a parable where somebody was sent to this place and they just desired even just a drop, just a drop of water to quench the thirst. And the chasm is far too wide to be passed. And now is the day, the Bible says, the day of salvation. Today is the day to get right with God because there is a resurrection of the body. Our physical bodies are falling apart. I know that because when I woke up this morning, I had an ache. <laughs> Anyone have aches and pains and losing your mind and your memory and our bodies are falling apart. But praise the Lord that those who are in Christ are going to get a new body. But we also see the reality of a separation. A separation in the end times of those to enter into the rest and the peace, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the peace and the joy of your Lord. But there's a separation for those who aren't written in the book of life. Everlasting contempt. It's a serious thing to get right with a holy God. Now what are we told about those who are resurrected to eternal life? It says that those who are wise, everyone say wise. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn away many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. It's a picture of the Bema Seat of Christ, the rewards of Christ. Those who are wise. Wisdom is um, the idea of having knowledge but also applying it appropriately. And uh, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So as we live like Daniel, being different in our culture, waiting for the return of Christ, living in the end times, to be wise means to understand God's word. In the pre- last week, we talked about these same people would be those who are people who know their God and instruct many in the ways of Christ. So uh, having wisdom is to know God's word and to apply it and to live it. And when you know God's word, then what happens is you shine brightly for Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. That's what we celebrate in Christmas. One of the things we celebrate at Christmas time, the light of the world coming. But then he turns to his disciples. He said, you are the light of the world. Don't, Don't hide your light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't hide your light. And when you let your light shine before men, they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what I love about this time and the things that we do as a church here, as our vision is to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, not any one person or any denomination, but follow Jesus. And when you get people into the Word following Jesus and what He has said, then they get on fire for God and they say, I want to be a part of His mission. And then we launch people out to serve God in the world. And because of that, we have gone out in our harvest festivals and our Easter carnivals, in the snow festival and the parade of lights, just any way that we can do to shine our light. This is good works. We're not talking about good works for salvation. We're talking about good works that flow out of salvation. There's nothing good that we can do to earn God's salvation, but because of his salvation, now prepared beforehand that we should walk in them good works when we share the goodwill of God in our community and with our friends and with our family and with our neighbors it opens the door for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that is going to save souls but it is the goodwill and the good works of loving people and sharing and helping and and encouraging and supporting people that gives us the opportunity and the open hearts and the relationship with others to share this good news to shine. You see, we don't have light in and of ourselves. It's kind of like the moon. And over the past couple of months, there's been these really large moons. It's cool because out where we live, we don't have any light pollution. We're in the country. And so when the moon is shining, man, it is just so brilliant and bright. But the moon doesn't have light of itself. It reflects the, the light of the sun, S. Uh, UN, right? It's the sun. And yet, uh, it's very similar to you and I. We don't have light of ourselves, but we reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N. Jesus Christ shining through us. Let our light shine. Look at, notice, brightness. These ones are wise, and they turn many to righteousness. You know, a life worth living is a life that points people to Jesus, That it is worth every second on earth to invest our lives in the things that will last forever. Because some things are just going to be burned up. Whatever money, whatever toys, whatever effort and energy that we just pour ourselves into, if you talk to people later on in their lives, I think there's some great wisdom there, they would tell, tell you and I, who are maybe younger than, than them, to spend more time with your family, to spend more time with your kids, uh, to worry less, to pray more, to be in church, and to serve Jesus. Those are the things that matter. The things that won't pass away are people. It's souls. The Bible says that he that wins souls is wise. If you want to be wise and shine for Jesus, 
be a part at the end times all the way up until he returns because it's his patience that brings about salvation and the opportunities that we have right now to share and shine Jesus are the only opportunities that we're going to have. So I don't want to live a life of regret. Do you? I know you don't. <laughs> that's kind of a, uh, that's an easy uh, uh, question to answer. We don't want to live a life of regret, but what happens is we get caught in the grind of life. We get caught in the, the rat race, and it just, and it just it, it grinds us down so much that we feel like we just have nothing left to give, or why is, what is it worth even living? Friends, we are living in such a tremendous time. He's chosen you and I to be alive and filled with the Spirit right now prior to His return so that we could be wise and lead people to Jesus and share His Word and, and love people into the kingdom of heaven through the good, good works that we have. And that doesn't mean that you have to be up on a podium or behind a pulpit and preach. It means that you fill your heart with God's word in the morning through devotions and you consume his love because what stars do, as is told here, stars radiate light, but they also navigate life, right? Stars up in the sky, they used to be used to navigate courses and charts. And so if you're filled with the wisdom and the truth of the Lord during the last times right now, that you're going to radiate God's light. And it comes from the inside out. You can't polish up this thing. I've tried, and my hair keeps falling out, and I get weak and hurting. You can't polish this up, but God can. He takes, uh, he takes our lives. And when we go through pressure, it's kind of like diamonds, you know, when you've got these, the atoms, or excuse me, the carbon atoms over intense pressure and intense heat in the depths of the earth. Over time, the atoms are uh, crystallized into diamonds that are precious and valuable. And God's doing the same thing in our lives. He's using pressure. He's using heat. He's using the spiritual trials in our lives so that we could be, our, our faith, as First Peter tells us, our faith, which is far more valuable than gold or silver or any other thing, can be genuine and real and authentic, shining, radiating God's light. But also, your life can be used for people to navigate towards Jesus. Your life can be used as a way for people to say, you know what? They know where they're going and I need what they've got and I want to go where they're going and I'm going to follow them to where, they, where, where I can find that same hope and that same truth and that same light. Every second, every moment, uh, every opportunity to invest in this work of God in our lives, through your relationships, through our church body, through this time. Uh, it is an eternal investment, an eternal investment that we can pour our lives into. That's a great promise and a great reminder and a great encouragement as we look at what is happening around us, right? So I'm going to have our worship team come on up, and I'm just going to close with a couple of thoughts here because we are going to partake of communion and finish out our service this morning. We've gone through a lot, not only today, uh, but also over the past three months in the book of Daniel. I hope and pray that you would, as we have identified the, th the, the main theme of, of this study, 
Dare to be different. You see, we started off by um, challenging you, challenging me, challenging us to consider our lives and the direction of our lives. How we're living, what we're spending our time on, what we're doing in life, that's the dare. And the dare is, uh, and the challenge is, to go God's way and to live for Him and to take seriously about what lies in the balance when it comes to His unfolding plan in human history. When we see the end of the story and we recognize that we are living in the times of His return. So we take seriously and we understand that God has a plan and He has a purpose and He's unfolding it. So we can take comfort in knowing that Jesus will defeat the Antichrist. He will put an end. He will have a final triumph over Satan and over evil. And yet, we also recognize that there is this book, the book of life. Now, as we partake of communion, this is a part of recognizing Jesus' sacrifice on the cross that allows our names to be written in that book. And Jesus took upon himself the judgment and the penalty that we deserved upon the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be born again, so that we could have newness of life. And I pray, friend, that you would not leave today without ensuring that your life and that your name is written in this book. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Daniel who is a great example to us of somebody just normal, just like, just like us. And yet he determined he wasn't going to defile himself with the things of his culture. I pray, Lord, that every single man, woman, and child, conscious of your work and of your truth in the scriptures right now, whether in this room or those online, straight through the internet right now, you're driving in your car, you're watching on your tablet, whatever it is, right now, in the quietness of your own heart, you'd say, God, I want to be like Daniel. Help me to be somebody who, who is different, who does things different than what the world says. I want to shine your light. I want to live for you. I want to invest myself in the things that matter most in the end. Those things, as, as uh, Nate Saint said, as a missionary to South America, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's not a foolish thing to give of yourself to the things of the Lord because there's some things that we give of ourselves on a daily basis that we just we can't take with us to gain what we cannot lose thank you Lord for your love thank you Lord for your hope thank you Lord for your assurance and if anyone is in this room that does want to ensure that their life is right with God just pray in the quietness of your own heart in seriousness of the matter of your soul before the a holy God, God, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me. I acknowledge my sin, just as Daniel prayed and acknowledged his sin. Make me white, purify me. Though my sin is as scarlet, I, I want to be as white as snow. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit, be used by you. I want to be born again.
thank you for the hope of this truth and of this life. God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.